Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Good Friday. It's not a day to be morose, although it is certainly a uh, not a festive day as others. But why do we call it Good Friday? If you read the altar book uh, in the Lutheran service book, they attribute it to uh, possibly a shortening of God's Friday. Um, in the same way, the expression goodbye is a truncation of God be with you. Um, and so that is how this term Good Friday comes up. Because we think Good Friday, well, what's so good about Good Friday? Jesus Christ was uh, made to suffer and die on a cross. Well, the answer is, that is good. Give us eyes, Lord, to see that that is good, that that was the will of the Father, that Jesus Christ, his only beloved Son, should lay aside his divine prerogatives like we heard last Sunday, that he should lay aside his divine prerogatives and suffer and die. He he didn't need to be decked with armor to protect him from death. Twelve legions of angels he could command at any moment if he desired to live. Pilate had no authority to put him to death except that authority which was given to him from above. And so do we see fulfilled this passage from Isaiah that is so familiar to us and is so powerful and poignant because it speaks to the work of God in Christ. He shall be lifted up. Well, does that mean lifted up and exalted in glory? Or does that mean lifted up to die on the cross in shame? The answer is yes. Yes, because that is where God's glory is shown. We don't have a far distant God in the heavens who doesn't come near to us. We have a God who comes near to us. We have a God who says, I put this aside, my divine prerogative, so that I may suffer and die. I don't call 12 legions of angels to defend me. I don't need you, Peter, to take out your sword. And Pilate, you can't do anything except what you've been given to do by my Father in heaven. The guilt is greater for the one who betrayed me than it is for you. That's the God that we worship, the one true God. It's the God who comes to us and serves us in this way, giving himself on the cross. 
He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He suffered and died just like a person would su- any person would suffer and die. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. <laughs> yes, indeed, even at the moments where he was carrying our sorrows, dying on the cross, he was dying for those people who were there crucifying him, which includes us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All this, the prophet Isaiah writing 700 years before Jesus was crucified, 700 years before this day where Jesus was crucified and suffered for our sins, bringing us peace and healing. Why do we need this peace? Well, he goes on, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Paul uh, repeats this same sentiment in Romans where he gathers a collection of psalms that speak the same message. Basically saying, nobody has an excuse. No one, not a single one. Everyone is guilty before God. But again, what makes this a good day? (laughs) God doesn't stand in the heavens with fire in his eyes, looking at us that he might smite us down and strike us. Damn you all, I'm going to strike you down. No, that's not what God does. No. He says, I will do this. I will go to the cross. I will suffer this. And as a result, we see God so much more clearly because we see the objectivity of love. Love is not some nebulous notion of warm and fuzzy feelings. Love is this deep, abiding compassion that God has for us, that in Christ, he says, I will not see you damned to hell, but I will give you a way of salvation. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Isaiah concludes the passage we read this morning saying, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, we see that with the thief on the cross, the two two, uh, robbers, thieves that were next to him. 
Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. That's us. And that's the very thieves on the cross. On the cross, you recall the one who Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Everything he had lived up to that moment, this shameful, sinful life that culminates at this point of the worst kind of judgment that could be rendered, which is death on a cross. And Jesus has the audacity to say to him, today you'll be with me in paradise? Yes, that is the audacity that we see that God has in Jesus Christ, which is to say to every one of us, I lay down my life for your sins. You know, as we said last night, considering um, our epistle lesson, uh, sorry, our, uh, our, our uh, uh, lesson from our psalm lesson. What shall I render to the Lord? What, what shall I bring to the Lord? What, what works is it that I should bring to the Lord? That's the way we hear that. You know, what, what, God, what shall I bring to you? And his answer is, you bring your sin and you lay it at my feet and I take it up and I give you something. I give you faith to believe the promise of eternal life that in Christ, all of your sins are forgiven, every one of them. So on this Good Friday, hear those words of forgiveness. Hear the promise that God has made in Christ Jesus and believe that is what makes this good Friday. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts in Christ Jesus.